Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The talk um, tonight I'm, I'm calling uh, Loving Goodness, or one could call it uh, an ode to goodness. Um, perhaps some of you have already seen, um, as I did uh, just a few nights ago, uh, the new uh, movie about Mr. Rogers. <clears throat> Anybody see it yet? It's, um, what is it? Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's good. I, it brought me back to a time when, uh, when my son Adam, who's now 31, when, uh, when he was, you know, five, four, five, or six around then, um, I used to watch Mr. Rogers with him all the time. It was my, my favorite time of the day. <laughs> Not just because he was happy, I was delighted just seeing seeing that guy and the movie um it's it's so uh uplifting you walk out just saying wow there's there is real good in this world uh, and the the neat thing about him you know he was a, a minister uh, he was an ordained presbyterian minister i think it was and um, this was his ministry. He just kind of fell into it. And uh, there, you know, there's. They say uh, they interview a lot of the people who worked with him, and they say, "Was he really that good?" And they all say, "Yeah, that's who he was." Mm -hmm. Anybody watch Mister Rogers? Oh, good. <laughs> and if you don't, if you're not either uh, from this country or grew up uh, uh, watching it, um, in the age, he did everything um, that would guarantee a flop on TV. No sound bites, no flash, no uh, nothing to really capture your your eye very slow, uh, and it worked because of who he was. Now, I'm not going to have the whole talk about Mr. Rogers. That just kind of stimulated in me. Uh, but it, what, it, what it did drive home again, uh, which I have you know, been aware of for many years, is there's something in us that just loves goodness. And I think of it as really um, a central aspect of the spiritual life. Not for everyone. Some people are drawn, say, to Buddha Dharma because they want to see clearly into things and awaken the mind and, um, and, and see deeply into impermanence and 
unsatisfactoriness and, and selflessness and, and have a freedom that comes from that. But for, um, for many of us, most of us, really it's that we are drawn in some way. We hear a call of something inside of us that we can't ignore that calls us to goodness. That's a word I'm using now, and there, there might be a few words that I interchange um, that with. Uh, but there's something not only that calls us, that, but that uplifts us when we are around it. It's contagious. Goodness is contagious. And I, there are some people who I, I, I just think of them and my heart opens. Pete Seeger. I just have to think about Pete Seeger. And there's something that is uplifted and moved. <clears throat> you, you probably get your own list. In fact, I'm curious, um, who brings out or reminds you of, of goodness? Just a, Nelson Mandela. Excellent. Great. I'm going to be uh, quoting him in a little while. Uh, Nelson Mandela. What an inspiring character. Who else? What's that? Joanna Macy. Real. Who is it? Martin Luther King. Yeah. Who else? It doesn't have to be a great spiritual leader. You know, I mean, of course, there's the Dalai Lama as well. Uh, but maybe someone. Uh, Michelle Obama. She does it for me, definitely. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Your actu your acupuncturist, Mary Stewart. Okay, lovely. Huh? Uh huh. So we all have people that just remind us of the good inside. <clears throat> They inspire us. Just think of the word inspiration. We we might be mm, we might be um, I'm trying to put this in the right words. We might catch an idea. There are some there are some less than good ideas and some less than good people who have an effect and they can be contagious as well with even though they're you know mean-spirited or angry or aggressive and they're heroes to some but as far as inspiration something that opens our heart by definition i think it has to do with a quality of the good inside Mm -hmm. And as I'm talking about this, I'm, I, I'm not hopefully just going to be seeming um, syrupy and, and sappy and politically correct, but um, goodness can also have tremendous courage 
and fierceness and um, standing up in the face of unpopularity, of course, like Martin Luther King or Gandhi you know, or Jesus. You, know, you, can, you can pay for your goodness because it can trigger a place in others that, that can't quite hear that call. And, um, and activate the opposite response. But I think for most of us, when the mind isn't confused and isn't contracted, there is something in us that loves the good. Goodness feels good, by definition, and we're, we're wired up that way. Mm, and there's the, this um, study, when the mind is not confused and put in an adult in an FM, fMRI machine the, and they're not, um, their body isn't physically uh, in discomfort or their mind or their heart is, uh, is not troubled, they naturally exhibit, uh, the, the mind is, the brain exhibits uh, its conscious calm, creative, content, and caring. Those are the parts of our brain that light up when we're not caught in contraction or aversion or fear. And there's a a study I came across um, with toddlers, uh, a simple, cleverly devised study. They had these uh, these toddlers, um, and I think they were, yeah, maybe three or four or so. And uh, an adult was hanging some, would be hanging some wash with clothespins. And they appeared to drop a clothespin, and they had their, their hands up on the, on the line. And, and this is not the toddler and their, their mother. This is with, with people they, they, they didn't know, but they felt comfortable enough, as I recall the study. And the adult is looking down at the clothespin, and it's near the toddler. And almost all the, the, the toddlers would go and pick up the clothespin and bring it to the, the adult. Not because they're hoping to get strokes. Oh, you're such a wonderful little boy or girl. Just, oh, here. Mm. Isn't that neat? Isn't that nice to to know? Mm. In Buddhist teachings, there are different states, different mind states. Some are called... Um, wholesome, kusala, and some are called unwholesome, akusala. The akusala, unwholesome states, they're called unwholesome or unhealthy because they're states of suffering. I've mentioned this before when I've talked about awakening joy. They're states of contraction and suffering that lead to more suffering. States like Jealousy, envy, fear, aversion, 
um, anger, wanting, um, states of confusion, all of those states, the mind gets tight, generally spins stories uh, that are not uh, uplifting stories. Um, the heart gets tight and we are suffering. The wholesome states, kusala, states like compassion, generosity, kindness, uh, patience, um, joy, ease, peace. They are all sta- they're called wholesome or healthy states. Just even the word wholesome, you know, has some connotations in there. They're wholesome and healthy because they feel good in the moment and they lead to further happiness as they're cultivated. And the Buddha said, the idea in uh, wise effort is to minimize the unwholesome states and maximize the wholesome states. Both because they don't feel good, the unwholesome, and because they will continue to lead us down a a path of more suffering. And the wholesome states feel good, lead to more happiness, and actually, ultimately, for the purposes of what the Buddha was speaking, they create the conditions for awakening to arise. Not just, oh, this will feel good, but he said, as as it sometimes would be said, the Buddha taught because he wanted people to experience the sure heart's release, a heart that's free of greed, hatred, and delusion. And he said the, the way to do that is to create these wholesome states that out of that sense of connection to the good, the heart becomes at ease and rests, and from that there is the possibility of awakening, like the seven factors of awakening or seven factors of enlightenment include mindfulness, um, investigation, curiosity, um, energy to practice, joy, calm, concentration, and equanimity. Those are all states of well-being that, when coming into balance, create the awakening experience. <clears throat> the Brahma Viharas, you know, those the states of heart. If you go to Spirit Rock, you can you see the, the dormitories are are marked Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upeka. Metta, loving kindness, Karuna compassion, Mudita, sympathetic joy in the happiness of others, and Upeka, equanimity. Those states, the Brahma Vihara is also called, Brahma Vihara means a divine abode, the realm of the gods. Those states are all natural byproducts of a mind that is clear and a mind that is concentrated. So you don't even, 
it's you can cultivate them consciously, but they naturally arise when the mind is not caught in confusion. There's a natural kind of movement when somebody falls. You say, oh, are you okay? It's just how most of us, not all of us, are, are wired up. <clears throat> and in, on a karmic level, it's said that when you act from an unwholesome state, you are creating suffering in the moment, in your own mind and heart, in the energy that comes back to you from whoever is on the receiving end. You know, they don't say, oh, thank you so much for your feedback. It's like, whoa. Okay. In the recollection of, of that unskillful action and the practicing of that habit, you are more likely to do it. So when you act out of greed, hatred, and delusion, the, the source of all suffering, you are planting seeds of suffering in the future. And when you act from a place of goodness, of non-greed, of generosity, of non-hatred, of kindness, and non-delusion or clarity or wisdom, those are the three roots of happiness, non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion, all having to do with goodness. When you act from that motivation, it feels good in the moment. It feels good in the energy that comes back to you from who's ever on the receiving end. It feels good as you recall it. And it feels more likely that you will practice it because you've just um, practiced that habit. Mm -hmm. So this place of well-being and, and goodness, it's just, it's who we are when we're not confused. And now, obviously, this is not a Pollyanna world, there's also a lot of fear and anger and mean-spiritedness and hatred. All of those things, we have the capacity for those things as well as we, we all know so well. All you have to do is pick up the newspapers or, uh, or look at your, your phone. Uh, how much ill will and confusion and uh, hatred there is in this world. Somebody asked, um, this is an old line, Ramakrishna, the great Indian uh, saint and sage, saying, um, uh, Master, why is there so much evil in the world? And his response was, to thicken the plot. It does make it a little bit more interesting, doesn't it? <clears throat> we, are, we are not living in the heaven realm. We are living in this realm where 
we're trying to sort out all of those things inside that can go either way. We all have the Dalai Lama inside of us and whoever you want to name on the other side in your own mind. It's in all of us. And so we have the capacity to go either way. But the way it seems to um, to naturally occur is uh, unless we're wounded at a very early age, that that goodness, those toddlers getting those clothespins are naturally who we are. That we have to be taught. We have to be taught to be mean-spirited and and hating. It was interesting in the movie, the the Mr. Rogers movie, um, when he uh, when he died, he died in uh, what was it? Two, uh, I forget when it was, two thousand and three or so. When when he died, and they there was a big you know f- uh, funeral and memorial service and all. There were people across the street from where it was all taking place with um, with placards saying, um, um, Mr. Rogers will go to hell um, because uh, he was accepting and embracing of gays. And what really was, was uh, so sad were there were not only adults, but their children with those placards. And it was mentioned in the movie, oh my goodness, look what people can teach. They can teach anything out of their own confusion. Here's uh, this passage from Nelson Mandela, who says... um, I never lost hope that this great transformation that is uh, the end of apartheid in South Africa would occur, not only because of the great heroes, but because of the courage of the ordinary men and women in my country. I always knew that deep down in every human heart, there is mercy and generosity. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion, people must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Even in the grimmest times in prison, when my comrades and I were pushed to our limits, I would see a glimmer of humanity in one of the guards perhaps for just a second, but it was enough to reassure me and keep me going. Man's goodness is a flame that can be hidden, but never extinguished. This is uh, Lewis Thomas, uh, who wrote uh, the great classic book, Lives of a Cell. He was a a biologist and uh, that wonderful book came out in the 1970s. He says, I maintain 
despite the moment's evidence against the claim, that we are born and grow up with a fondness for each other. And we have genes for that. We can be talked out of it, for the genetic message is like a distant music, and some of us are hard of hearing. Societies are noisy affairs, drowning out the sound of ourselves and our connection. And hard of hearing, we go to war. Stone deaf, we make nuclear missiles. Nonetheless, the music is there, waiting for more listeners. So this is um, something to, to keep in mind that the practice one could think of, I would say, is just getting more and more in touch with the goodness inside of us and expressing it and helping awaken it in the goodness of others. Because there's something about actually looking for it that both is a gift to the one looking and the gift to the one receiving. It becomes a very wonderful way to go through life. I've mentioned this here in uh, in the past, for me, one of the one of the the real uh, uh, inspiring teachings of uh, Neem Karoli Baba, who was a, a great um, um, influence and inspiration for me, the the guru from Ramdas's books, "Be Here Now," Maharaji, and he would say, uh, "The best form to worship God is every form." And when I first heard that, I took it as an instruction to just keep looking for the good in others around. And that became a a main practice of mine. And I was a school teacher for a number of years in in New York City, mostly uh, fifth grade and sixth grade. And, um, uh, And my task at the beginning of each semester of each year was to some to tune in to the beautiful uh, being inside every child uh, some kids you, you had to wear shades because they were just kind of dazzling and radiant and just shining other kids were were less so because maybe they learned a different way to get attention or they uh, had experienced abuse or neglect. And so they didn't know about letting their natural goodness uh, shine through. Uh, But that was my little game that I set up for myself. And almost, I knew that every kid wanted to be accepted and approved and valued. And in quieter moments, 
often it would be in quieter moments, not in in the big class, but uh, more often one-to-one. At some point, if they felt I could see them and see the goodness inside, I had a better chance of bringing it out. And that's how we are when we are we are seen when we feel that somebody believes in us. That's what a benefactor or a mentor often is. Somebody who believes in you or who inspires you or a friend who just sees and delights in who you are. It does something to you, it actually draws it out of you. And just like when somebody is looking and they're seeing all the things wrong with you and you sense that that's what they're doing, they're just sizing you up and down and judging you, how does that feel? Awful, doesn't it? You can sense it. And when you see somebody is just looking for your how good you are or your beauty or your kindness or something um, lovely about you, it brings it out. It helps you shine. When I'm seeing people on, on retreat um, and they come in for interviews uh, or practice discussions, And they might be having a really hard time and having a meltdown. My my practice still is to just tune into the Buddha in them. And the more more it can be seen, the more it can be experienced um, on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I I really um, encourage that as a practice for all of us, not to be naive, not to think that everybody is, uh, is there with a smile and love. Sometimes you've got to be really uh, mindful and, uh, and careful about um, the context that you're in uh, and um, be careful around people who um, can either be confused or dangerous or mean-spirited or just like to have an argument and uh, know how to protect yourself. But still, if you can, look for the good in there. And when you are around those who are harmless or benign, to just give them the benefit of the doubt and see that beautiful being in there. This is a a line I love from Mark Twain. He says, um, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. The really great people make you feel that you too can become great. Isn't that beautiful? For me, no matter how impressive somebody is or how powerful they seem, if, if you feel smaller around them, it's not really that impressive. 
you might be in awe of their personal power. But the people who really inspire are the ones that inspire you to be good and to develop yourself or who make you feel you're okay. Oh, I'm okay. Mm. This is from uh, a passage that uh, some of you are familiar with. Uh, Read it on retreats and uh, have read it here before. Uh, Maybe I've read it here recently, I'm not sure. In the Babemba tribe of Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, they are placed in the center of the village alone and unfettered. All work ceases and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in their lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All of their positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. That's the kind of tribe you want to hang out with. Doesn't it make sense? If we're being constantly told how bad we are, that becomes the way we think of ourselves. But if we have forgotten and can be reminded of the good inside, that just helps awaken it. So this becomes a kind of um, practice that we can do seeing our own goodness and well-being and helping awaken it in others. Uh, a friend was uh, was just telling me a story this week. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, she's um, uh, a, a, a Dharma teacher in uh, in Durango, uh, and uh, she was leading a, a class series on uh, the Bodhisattva ideal about how your own practice. Uh, can be an offering for um, for others, and that when you express your caring, that's really the um, as as powerful an aspect of of the practice as, as your own enlightenment. And somebody in the in the class uh, told her later, and the class had I think something like forty people or so in it, and they said, you know, there are some people here that are um, uh, just getting by, and they're really um, uh, they're really having a hard time. And uh, it was very moving to my friend, who then the next class said, 
uh, said that, that there are, there are some people here, just as a bodhisattva practice, there are some people here who have very fortunate circumstances. And there are some people here who uh, I've heard are uh, having, there's a handful of people here that have a hard time getting, getting by. And I have a challenge for you to be really generous and uh, those who can uh, give something to support those, uh, those who can't. And she said, and I'm not just talking about like a 5 or $10 bill thrown in. I'm talking about really stretch yourself. And then she said something like, you know, there's some people here might be able to write a $5,000 check. And there were some chuckles like, mm, and she said, I'm not kidding. And afterwards she thought, oh my goodness, how did, where did that come from? I, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. But she was just really connected to a place of deep caring and saying, let's come together. And they raised $8,000. One person did write a $5,000 check. And um, six people, uh, as it turned out, that she, the community didn't know who, but she was, uh, she dispersed it to those people who said, oh my goodness, I didn't know how I was going to get by this next week. And when she told me that story, I, I just, I got so um, moved and happy how the, the power of her conviction and saying, let's do this. Show how you care. Um, was able to awaken that in others. And then just hearing the story, I got really happy. And everybody in there, her, her class was happy. It's like we want, we want to share and we want to give our, our caring. There's a line I love from uh, Shanti Deva who wrote the, the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. He says, the miracle of awakening lifts us above poverty into the wealth of giving to life. Lifts us above poverty, that small, what's in it for me, mind, into the wealth of giving to life. And as I've mentioned before, um, Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology, uh, said, uh, he wrote this book, Authentic Happiness. He said, the greatest source of happiness that he's found is finding your own gifts that life has given you and being able to express them to others in a spirit of contribution. That's the greatest source of happiness. And when you think about it, there's nothing in it for you other than just letting your caring and your goodness shine. Uh, the Dalai Lama has this this expression, selfish altruism. And he says it's a good thing, that good feeling, just hearing Mr. Rogers, oh, there's a good feeling. Um, that good feeling that, that comes from um, expressing your care, that that's where the real happiness is.
So I would just say, uh, as you practice, make it a central aspect of your practice, the basic loving-kindness meditation, to tune in to the goodness inside. Ramdas has a, 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 a basic instruction these days where he, this is his basic practice to himself that he recommends to others, if you can relate to it, where he says over and over, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And that's who you are when your mind isn't getting caught and small or in the way. That's who you are. So I just invite you for a moment. We'll end this and open to a conversation in a few moments. Just for a few moments to reflect on what you sense are your beautiful qualities or good qualities that you've been given in this lifetime. And if you have a hard time sensing it, what do you think your friends see? What shines through you when you're not lost in fear or confusion or judgment? You might reflect on a random act of kindness that you've done somewhere in recent times or in your past where you were just there for someone else because it just felt good. Just tuning into that measure of good heart that you've been given. And delight in it. And appreciate it. And know that the more you can access it and the more you can express it the more you create the conditions for genuine happiness and well-being So you might have that in mind as a, a central aspect of your Dharma practice. Just let the good inside shine through.
Okay, so um, we have some time for uh, either questions, comments about the theme, um, anything that arises, and um, and if not, there are questions about and yet for questions about practice, we can do that too. But let's see if anything comes up from that. So, Andrew is, as usual, uh, willing to go around. James, teachers, you have spoken about how, you know, people show their goodness and show their badness and both get a lot of admirers. And you can, Mm -hmm. in pop culture, movies and songs, music videos, you can, movies and music videos, pop music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of people doing that, showing that and, and, you find them having admirers. Yeah. But some 20 years ago, I read a, um, somebody who kept the statistics that the most admired movie character in all of American film history is Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch. Uh, by from to kill, a, to kill a Mockingbird. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was very inspiring, just how popular goodness is. And... And every time I, I have some doubts about society or the state of things, um, I go back to that fact and it feels really good to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love to be inspired by heroes. That's what heroes are. You know, they inspire us. There's this this notion of an, the elevation response. I think uh, Jonathan Haidt uh, coined it where um, when you see somebody doing something noble, it not only uplifts you, but it makes you want to go out and doing some, do something noble as well. The elevation response. Isn't it amazing how we can be inspired? Inspired to do more than, than we think we could, but oh, look at what they're doing. Anything else in the, in the back, Larry? Oh. oh, yes. Yeah. Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, Laura. Um, what would you say about when you try to see goodness in somebody who has a hard time seeing goodness in themselves, mm-hmm. um, and you reach a point where you feel really drained because yeah. you're kind of you're giving so much of your energy trying to help them see. Um, and then feeling the guilt kind of of that. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. As, uh, it, it doesn't work with everyone. The, 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 uh, one of the names I love of the Buddha, uh, one of his monikers is, um, he was called the teacher of those who could be taught. That's the Buddha. He couldn't reach everybody. 
some people said, oh, what's the big deal? Or they wanted to discredit him, you know, or, or look at, at Jesus, too. And uh, the Dalai Lama has some good advice. He says, if you're around some really negative energy and you've done what you can to help uh, uh, make it a, a better situation and you're just getting drained and, um, uh, and exhausted, it's the time to find the nearest exit. That you, you just can't, not everybody is, is able to hear it. You know, like uh, that Lewis Thomas said, you know, the, we, the, there's distant voices with so much uh, static around. So you do what you can, but you can't really proselytize or say, oh, if you only saw and they're not able to see it. It's, um, it doesn't work that way because if somebody's antenna aren't out, then the static will keep it from getting in. And so you just, that's where the equanimity practice comes in, where there's caring, but there's saying, I honor your journey, and it's not up to me to rescue or, or fix. Yeah. So, Larry? Or who had, who, oh, who's got the mic? Oh, yeah. What the heck? Um, uh, when you're talking Real close. About, when you were talking about people to admire, I, I couldn't help but think of an old movie that I recently saw again, Superman. Mm-hmm. And boy, if there was a good person <laughs> who just did everything right, uh, he was it. He's, Truth, justice, in the American right, way. In the American way. I'm not yeah. so sure about the American way. Yeah, well, that's certainly uh, truth and justice. Yeah. <laughs> We're inspired by those ideals, and then there's there's the truth, and you know, and and so, but we, but when we're inspired by by an ideal, okay, even you know, having those imaginary imagined heroes, they, you know, I was a big Superman fan, yeah, <laughs> and we have to find people who that we we can identify with that inspire us, you know. So for some, Superman wouldn't do it, but uh, Martin Luther King would. Um, so, okay, anything else? Right, so we'll, we'll close. I'll just uh, read this, uh, this passage that I love from Nyosho Kempo, the um, uh, great Tibetan master. We're not practicing for ourselves alone, since everyone is involved and included in the great scope of this perfectly pure motivation to benefit others, whatever else we might do is secondary to that. If we cultivate this good heart, this altruistic, unselfish attitude, then all strife and struggle will naturally be pacified, purified, transformed in us, and become beneficial to others through contact with this good heart, which we, the bodhisattvas, strive to embody. So let that be a practice when there's a, an impulse to express your caring. Don't hold back. You know, and notice how, how good it feels. You know, not to 
stretch yourself beyond your limits. You don't want to be a martyr and you want to include yourself in your, in your compassion for others. But, uh, but don't be um, shy about expressing your, your goodness. It feels good and it awakens it in others. And I think I'm saying this, I'm sure we all know this. This is just kind of reminding myself and reminding, our, reminding all of us just love goodness. That's what it comes down to for me. Just let yourself more and more love the good inside and around you. And then appreciate and wish yourself well. All of those qualities that life has gifted you with, don't miss them. And may our time here together help awaken all the good inside of us, all of us, and may it radiate out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all see their true nature and share their love well. May all know the highest happiness and peace. Thank you very much. Have a good evening and uh, see you in a couple of months. Keep on coming here though. Next week, Ajahn Chandako, really fine teacher. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.